Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. If you're ready to get a clue about investing and take charge of your financial future, this episode is for you. Before you sink a dollar into the stock market, you need to know author Susan Laubach's seven rules to invest effectively and make your money grow. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. 
At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. You know, sometimes someone comes along and you just feel an instant connection to them. Have you ever had that happen? It's really cool. Susan is like our resident grandma. I hope she doesn't mind me calling her that, who knows a lot about investing. She's a former Wall Street stockbroker and financial educator, and she's taught several levels of investment education to students everywhere from 18 to 74. And Better Investing Magazine called her previous book the most well-rounded source of basic stock information and education. So Susan knows what she's talking about when it comes to investing. In this episode, Susan is sharing learnings from her recent book, Rumpelstiltskin's Rules for Making Your Farthings Grow. This book is amazing. It's told through these entertaining retellings of fables and fairy tales that you already know by heart, but Susan helps really demystify the world of investing and teach you seven powerful rules of investing that are going to serve as a foundation for going forward. So it's just a really interesting way to teach you about investing. When somebody like Susan comes on the show, I listen up because I know that she has decades of advice that I really want to know. She's been in this business a really long time. And to be successful for this long, she's just got some teachings that I think are really, really important. You'll learn more about these seven investing rules. You'll get a look at what it was like to be a female stockbroker before there were female stockbrokers. And you'll understand how to never pay too much for a company stock and just so much more in this interview. Well, Susan, I am so, so thrilled to have you join us on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Believe me. I don't normally start out with sharing someone's story, but I think it really makes sense here. From what I know, you spent 15 years in the investment business as a stockbroker, broker trainer, and in 2006, you actually returned back to your original career in theater. You've written and performed on off-off-Broadway, television, film, all sorts of things. You've written a couple of books. You wrote a book called The Whole Kit and Caboodle, A Painless Journey to Investment Enlightenment, which sounds amazing. <laughs> and your your new book, Rumpelstiltskin's Rules for Making Your Farthings Grow. So tell us a little bit about this career going from originally in theater to stockbroker. What was this like? Well, I was in theater for a very, very long time, uh, managed a theater. Um, I was a, uh, a resident uh, actor um, and resident playwright. Uh, and then uh, it became clear that equity pay wasn't going to put my kids through college. So uh, I changed careers and uh, went into briefly in the insurance business and then switched over to the investment business and was hired as a stockbroker. And I did that. Uh, as you mentioned, for the next uh, at least 15 years. Um, then I, I did quite a few years uh, evaluating portfolios after that, which I probably didn't mention in the bio. But uh, 
uh, yeah, that, and then now I'm back in the theater again. Now I'm, I'm back, uh, playwriting and writing my books and, um, and, uh, educating people, uh, for their finances. And that's what the book is meant to do. Isn't it amazing how life journey, how it, it, it bobs and weaves. Nobody has a straight line story, which I think is so cool. Yeah, well, your your story is very interesting too. Um, but the thing is, mine is sort of this through line of uh, uh, communicating, educating. I mean, when you know, playwriting is really, in a sense, educating as well. Certainly, communicating. Um, but that's that's sort of uh, what I've always been doing no matter what form it's been taking but this latest um book uh and i had written children's books prior to the uh, kitten caboodle book i had and i wrote a travel book also i had written seven books prior to this uh but this one came about uh, shannon because you and i know that there are a lot of people who are just terribly fearful of getting into the market putting themselves in the hands of a stockbroker that they don't know or, or uh, for one reason or another, they're just not ready to get started because they feel unschooled in what's ahead. And uh, so uh, since I have taught many, many adults and a lot of people who are in this situation, I realize that um, people really don't remember stuff that in general kind of bores them. Unless it's, uh, yeah, you know, uh, unless it's uh, told in a story form. So um, I thought that if I would write, if I would embed these things that I think are absolutely necessary uh, for a person considering investing in the stock market, if I would embed them in uh, sort of retold fairy tales that are pretty silly, I will admit, um, and I hope they make people smile, if not laugh out loud, uh, and and by embedding them in these stories, I'm hoping that it will be much more memorable. That they'll they'll think back on these rules and and uh, I, I call them rules. They're things that I think are very necessary. And um, I'm I'm not sure you you know what the rules are. Do you have a have a list of them? There? I have a list of the seven rules. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. I would love to walk through. Uh, at least a few of them, because I yeah. think they're really amazing. And number one is just slow but steady wins the race. And I think it's really interesting. I'd love your perspective, because I know a lot of the younger generations right now are kind of hoping that they do the get rich quick scheme when it comes to investing. And some people have made a lot of money in a really short period of time, but it normally does take many, many, many years for your portfolio to grow. So tell me about being slow but steady. Well, uh, going back to what you say about getting rich quick, um, quickly, um, it, the uh, issue with that is that's not investing. I mean, investing implies that you, you're putting something in something and you're looking for it to grow and over time uh, to pay back, to vest. Um, and slow but steady wins the race, I tell through the story of the turtle and the hare and uh, how Tom the turtle wins the race. And uh, he um, has learned from his father that uh, he is a turtle and he's therefore slow. And he has to he learned that he has to just get started and keep going no matter what uh, stands in the way. And if he does that, 
he'll win the race. And um, in my little story, uh, he wins a lot of money and he puts it in the stock market. And by being slow but steady, um, he makes a lot of money. So uh, that's my slow but steady story. And uh, the other thing I would say is uh, you got to get started. <laughs> you got to get started. And uh, it, it, the the problem, I think, with a lot of kids is that if they don't get rich overnight, um, they think it can't be done. Or they maybe they lost their first little tiny nest egg by trying to do it overnight. And so they stand back and think, I'll do something else, you know. Um, but uh, if if you adhere to these rules and ask these questions, and then you say, "I'm going to start small, and I will put it into I will put my money into something in which I uh, am pretty sure has a good chance of being a long term growth company," um, and I'll see what happens. And if I feel good about it, I'll put more money in. And if the market tanks on me, which you and I know happens, uh, then I'll buy more. And in that sense, and if we're talking about young people, if we're talking about people who are in their 20s, they just got out of college or, um, or even older people who have never had any money, but they inherit it or they you know, get a, a divorce settlement or something like that. Um, they, the young people really do have years and years and years to watch this, you know, and this is the time for them to start in, uh, to get started and then slow but steady will win the race. So why do you think investing is, it's obviously something that we know we need to do, but why do we wait or why do we feel intimidated? I think it's because there's so much jargon in the business and um, there are so many, pardon me, stockbrokers who talk too fast and, and they put people off. They make people feel dumb. Uh, Shannon, between you and me, they make, make women feel dumb a yes. lot of times. And then the women are just not going to go there. They're going to go, you know, put their money in the bank and watch it not grow at all. Um and so I think that the problem has to do with the way the business has been communicated. Warren Buffett's a wonderful guy to uh, read and follow because he talks very simply uh, and he says things very straightforward. Uh, for example, in this, uh, you know, great run up on the market, um, he's, he said during the last run up, that he's just waiting for the tide to go out and see who was swimming naked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he talks like that and he makes things very, very easy to understand for people. Um, uh, so it doesn't need to be uh, complicated, but you look at the business page or you watch one of these, uh, you know, business programs and you can get very confused just by the language that is used. So having had to learn uh, this business coming from theater where I knew nothing, nobody I knew knew anything. Um, I had never invested. I didn't know the difference between a stock or a bond, believe it or not. Uh, and so I remember the learning process very well and how hard it was and where the 
roadblocks were. And so that's why I think I'm a good teacher. It was uh, interesting because I went to work for the oldest investment banking firm in the Western Hemisphere and indeed the third oldest in the entire world. And I was only the second woman they had ever hired. Wow. Yeah. And they told me that the first woman hadn't worked out all that well. And I thought that was hilarious. That was like saying you'd read a book, but you didn't like it. So you were never going to read book. I, just, I, I was dumbfounded by that comment. But they hired me because uh, I think at the time Goldman had been sued by some women. And I think that they that, that my fine company, and it was truly a fine company, just didn't want to have the attention uh, that not having any women might bring. So um, I, th- I think that's why I was hired. And I knew some people that, who were partners in that in that fine company. And um, and I I got the job and I more or less learned on the job because once they hired me, they thought, well, that's enough. Anyway, I really loved that company. It was Alex Brown and Sons. And it was just it was an absolutely wonderful, high quality group of gentlemen, just fine gentlemen. In fact, they had a they had a sobriquet. They were called the gentlemen of Wall Street. So I sort of blew that when I came in. That sounds like that could be a whole play you could write. <laughs> well, I did include the whole thing in one show that I one play that I wrote because the hiring process was really sort of funny too. But um, but anyway, all the the whole time that I was uh, brokering, I was also teaching. Uh, I was teaching investing, and uh, to that end, um, I wrote the first uh, book, and now I've written this second book, and I'm very interested in in your uh, listeners uh, knowing about it, and I really appreciate your talking to me about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to, I'm going to skip around on a, a couple of these seven rules. I want to talk about sure. uh, number three, because I think this one's really interesting, the difference between a loaner two and an owner of a company. Talk to me about that. Well, uh, you know, uh, a loaner, when you loan a company or an entity money, um, you are, in fact, buying a bond which will pay you interest. And that's um, a fixed income uh, that you receive as interest payments. And then at the end of the time period, for however long you have loaned the entity your money, um, you will get your money back. You will get it back, provided you invested or rather you loaned your money to a a company or an entity of high quality. And that's not investing. That's a loan. You don't own anything of that company. In fact, they have borrowed money from you. Uh, The owner of a company is an investor. As a stock owner, you are an investor and an owner of a piece of that company. And and then, you know, I, I used to say to people, you own the company. Do you want them to sell cigarettes or liquor? Or, I mean, is there something in your value system that says this company 
might not be the right fit for you. You got to know that sort of stuff. But you may find out that it's investing in something you have no interest in uh, and really disapprove of, but you are an owner. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm sorry, but I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a mini golden mountain doodle, full of life, and I would do just about anything to keep her happy, healthy, and safe. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family and you want to do the best for them, but vet bills can really add up. We jokingly keep telling Winnie she needs to get a job to pay for her vet bill. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customized accident and illness plans making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping to ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. 
Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independent American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer, is not engaged in the business of insurance. I think that's really important to think about because especially now with technology, it's very easy to feel disconnected. If let's say I buy a share of, I'm just picking something out of the blue, Amazon or Apple or whatever it might be. I, I, I almost don't feel like I'm an owner, but I think that's important to think about. Do I actually agree with these, this company's policies? Do I like what they sell, et cetera, et cetera, because you are in fact an owner. That's exactly right. And the problem with conglomerates and with um, companies that are enormous with many, many uh, small companies within them is that you might love half of what they do and disapprove of the other half. And then you just have to sort of make up your mind. (laughs) You think the good they do outweighs the bad they do. Um, It it certainly would be the case uh, with Amazon, which I absolutely love. And I'm a big customer of Amazon and an investor. And the, the, the thing with, uh, conglomerates, I shouldn't really mention a name, but the thing with conglomerates is that it makes it much more difficult for you to know um, what what they uh, own. And so I suggest strongly uh, Value Line. Um, Value Line will give you all the information you need to have to see if this company has the right value system for you. Um, if you're, I'll, I'll go through what value line is because I'm sure you yeah. know about it. Um, you can, most business libraries have a subscription to value line. Uh, it is a, uh, an independent company with 90 industry analysts, all very highly thought of and all independent uh, of any outside influence. And they cover a, a vast number of companies within a very large portfolio of industries. Um, they they uh, come out every 13 weeks with a whole new um, uh, uh, variety of uh, reports. And you can go to those reports in your library. You can also, of course, subscribe to it on your own online, or they'll send you hard copies. Uh, And you can get all the information you need to know what companies, what what businesses these companies are in, how much is institutionally owned, what the earnings estimates are, what the past numbers are. It's it's very, very informative. In fact, I gave a class on how to read Value Line, and uh, I I just think it is so uh, important. It's, It's one of the, well, it is the best research tool that I know an independent uh, investor can have. Wow. Okay. That is an amazing tip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about number five, because I think this is oh, yeah. <laughs> something that a lot of people are uh, not sure how to think about this one. It's never paid too much for shares of a company stock. How in the world do we know if we're paying too much? 
Okay, that's um, that's a little more complicated an answer. So um, let me know if I'm if I'm too confusing on this. It's called the PEG ratio, and that is the PE price divided by earnings. The PE uh, equal to or less than the growth rate in those earnings. So I'll just give you an example. Let's say that um, company A is priced at $10 a share, and it is expected to earn $1 this year. You know, that would be divided amongst all the shares. So the price earnings ratio, $10 divided by the, the $1, is 10 So you would not want to pay a higher P.E. than the, the, rather, the growth rate, I I, I skipped a step. The P.E. is 10. So now you need to find out what the anticipated growth rate in that $1 is for the future. You can find that out by looking at value line. And there are other services that do um, estimates, uh, company estimates, uh, and can be found on Google. Find out what they are expected to earn next year, the year after, perhaps a three to five year outlook, which is what Value Line does. And if the three to five year outlook is that they will earn or they will grow rather by at least 10%. That's the growth rate, at least 10%. Then you're paying the right price if you pay $10. If you if the stock is $30 and it's only earning $1 and it's only growing at 10%, that's way overpriced. Now, there's one thing about stocks that are way overpriced. Sometimes they always are, and I don't mean just in this last flashy tech, you know, bubble. Yes. Uh, if they are always selling at a premium price, that says that the institutional community, those people who buy for very large portfolios, believes that this company is worth a premium multiple, that this company is has such a solid balance sheet in their age plus rated uh, by the rating services, that they will earn a premium PE, premium multiple, multiple and PE, the same things. Here I am speaking in in jargon. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. But so the PEG ratio or PE equal to or less than the growth rate, PEG, is a way to determine whether the price is too high. Uh, was, there were years, believe it or not, in my long career, when the price, when the PE was less than the growth rate. And wow, what a pleasure it was to find something like that. Um, if you then went through and did the research and found out that they weren't expected to go bankrupt in the next 30 days. Uh, but um if, if, did I make that clear or was yeah. that just way too <laughs> No, no, that was that was very clear. Uh, so how do you know then, let's say you found a good stock and you realized it's not overpriced. Is there a simple or sort of simplistic way to figure out when do I sell that? 
Well, you're investing, remember. You have made your choice carefully. You have determined that this company is worth owning. Uh, therefore, the reasons to sell don't have to do with the fact that they went up. That's what you wanted it to do. Now, there are people who have to sell to pay for their college tuition or they want to go buy a house or, you know, one of those reasons. Uh, then you may decide not to sell that wonderful stock, but to borrow against it, which you can do. You can borrow against your stock portfolio for a lot less money than the, generally than the bank charges. Uh, but all that aside, how do you know when to sell? My advice would be you sell when the basic story has changed. In other words, you bought it because of this top manager. This guy at the top is a genius. Well, he leaves and you don't know anything about the people who are coming in or they don't have the same repu reputation. A reason to sell or they are selling off the um, portion of their company that you thought was the best portion in it. Time to sell. In other words, when the original story changes, then you have to reevaluate if you still want to own this company or not. If you don't, that's the time to sell. But my advice for an investor is that you don't sell just because it went up. Now, here's another thing that I would suggest. If you have people who are um, basically, you know, they, they're just very jittery about the market and who isn't almost all the time. But I mean, in general, just very, very jittery right about now. Everything is up. Their stock is doubled, tripled, quadrupled, whatever. If they feel this way, they could take the step of selling just as much as they put into the stock. In other words, your $10 stock is now 50. Okay, you put 10 in. Take your $10 out and let the let the rest ride so that you at least feel that you have um, gotten out your original investment and yet you let the other stuff stay on the table and continue to work for you. I like that. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless. 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. 
Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. 
that advice. That feels really good. Very tangible. (laughs) Doable, I hope. (laughs) And what about the difference between, because I get this question a lot on the show, the difference between buying stocks, investing, investing in maybe my 401k or my IRA with, with mutual funds and then ETFs are a thing. So how do we figure out these these different buckets? Oh, that's a good question because it it is a, such a question now that there are so many different kinds of things, ways in which you can invest. My uh, real favorite, and I followed it since they came out with their very first ETF many years ago. Um, I loved them from the start. Uh, when uh, ETFs first came out, um, they were a single offering by Barclays Bank, and um, they had special uh, advantages for the institutional investor. And I was an institutional stockbroker at the time. Uh, those special um, those special things are, are of, of no interest, really, to the individual investor. They still are in place, but they're of no interest. The individual now has the opportunity through, oh, are there hundreds of ETFs? I mean, they have just exploded because you can buy a basket of stocks in the industry that you're interested in, but you're not particularly interested in finding a single company in that industry, but you can buy the whole industry uh, or uh, uh, the portion that you're interested in, in a basket of stocks, and it is traded in real time. Now, what that means is that you don't have to wait until the market closes to get the price. And that's what happens with mutual funds. You have to wait until the end of the day and take that price for either the buy or the sell. Uh, with ETFs, they trade all day long. And furthermore, they're not managed. So you don't pay a management fee. You pay, you buy them like you buy a stock. And you can, let's say at 11 o'clock in the morning, it hits um, 15. You can buy it at 15. You don't have to wait until the end of the day when it's priced at whatever price that might be, which could be considerably higher. Uh, so does that make sense? My my yes. preference, my preference I, I have a couple of mutual funds that I'm very fond of and that I believe in, but I, as you know, I can't give advice yes. the regulatory issues uh so i won't mention them but for in general i prefer etfs and i love individual companies as long as you have done the investor has done the research and has uh found um for instance your brother goes to work for the company and you want to you want to support him by buying stock great good idea Go to Value Line, look it up, find out if the price is attractive, find out if the business is what you matches your value system, and then do it. And that's a good reason for buying an individual stock. Uh, or you see a particular uh, company. I mean, here in New York, my lord, you see so much um, construction going on, and uh, you see certain things that are used in every single construction site. And you might think to yourself, wow, that really looks like it's a growth stock. I'm going to go check it out. And you may or may not find that it is a growth stock that is publicly traded, which means you can buy it on the exchanges uh, or over the counter. Um, And so that's another reason for buying an individual stock. But without that kind of deep interest in 
and time to do it, do the research, uh, I would go with your ETF. I like that advice. That's great. I, I want to talk about number seven, okay. diversify. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of times uh, we can look at our portfolio and say, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> we own way too much of one stock or, or we're not diversified. And a lot of people are curious, what does that even mean to be diversified? So tell us a little bit about the the seventh rule. Well, uh, diversity in this particular case, um, really means balancing your portfolio between those things you own and those things, those entities to whom you have loaned money. Um, and uh, I have years ago, I always taught the four season portfolio, which I thought uh, would be easily understood when people realized that the seasons uh, would uh, of the uh, of our climate. Uh, would match the kind of things they should have in their portfolio. For example, spring is a perfect time for growth stocks uh, because things grow in the spring. You know, the, the, the climate is right, you know, with uh, warm days and cool nights, you get things that grow. So um, buying uh, uh, emerging companies or good companies that you've researched to follow that portion of your portfolio is a good idea. Um, and then you have summer and summer is a time when things, uh, you know, have come out of the ground and now you just are watching over them. This is the time for large, mature growth companies, the bigger companies, not the emerging companies that you might have bought for your spring portion. Uh, the fall is a time of great upheaval, as we know, and uncertainty uncertainty about interest rates, about the future in every way. And for that, I think uh, convertible bonds and convertible stocks or, or convertible preferreds are very good things to have. And we won't go into the structure of those because it's a little confusing. We don't really have time, but something to uh, to consider for the fall. Um, another thing uh, for winter when, you know, nothing is growing and you just batten down the hatches and keep your head down. Uh, for winter, that's when you put your bonds, your fixed income, something that's high quality, that's going to pay you interest no matter what. Uh, so that's my little quick explanation of the four season portfolio, which I decided upon many, many years ago, but is, is how I sort of explain diversifying. Um, basically, it's really just uh, putting um, uh, uh, stocks and bonds in a balanced portfolio, meaning, I don't know, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, uh, or 60-40, or whatever, uh, your, um, whatever your particular, uh, what would I say, um, your tranquility measure. <laughs> right. <laughs> How yeah. much risk do you want to undertake? Because, you know, anything in this area is risky. Is has a risk. I won't say it's risky, but everything bears a risk. Not investing is a huge risk. Yes, I agree. I love that about the seasons. That is that is so cool. I've never heard that before. I made it up. <laughs> but that, it makes a lot of sense. And it suddenly adds some great like shining light. I was like, okay, this makes sense. I love that. Good. <laughs> Good. So I, I'm curious if 
If you had some words of wisdom for your younger self, someone who might be listening right now about the power investing or getting started investing or even just hanging in there with investing, what would you what would you tell your younger self? I would tell my younger self to get a subscription to Value Line and to look at it regularly and to become familiar with it and uh, to um, use Value Line to direct you into your first investment or your, your you know where you want to put your money first in the investment world and then just get started and keep going. I like that. That's great advice. Well, we kind of jumped around a little bit of the seven rules. I just wanted to tease it because I want to make sure that everybody picks up a copy of the book and really dives into it. So so tell everyone where they can go to connect with you and to get a copy of the book, Rumpelstiltskin's Rules for Making Your Farthing. Am I saying that right? Farthing. Farthings. Farthings grow. Farthings. There we go. Farthings grow. It's yeah. also an English lesson. Yes. <laughs> well, it's on Amazon and Kindle, and I also recorded it for Audible. Well, I have to admit, I got a really good education in understanding the PEG ratio from Susan, and it's already changed how I'm looking at companies and how I'm thinking about investing. And Value Line, I totally forgot about them until Susan brought them up, but I just went over and checked out their site and they've got some great free educational videos and even a free seven-day trial. So if that's something you're interested in, obviously Susan has given it a very, very high plug. But I think Susan has this gift for making investing easy to understand. And I think it's really brilliant to share these rules through fables and fairy tales that we already know, because it's like, oh, okay, it suddenly makes sense. We're not talking about all of these terms and vocabulary that is confusing. It's, okay, we we understand it through the fairy tale. So I, I just think it's really brilliant. It just makes sense. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with a friend and family member, anyone who you know is really interested in investing. And as always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as our amazing episode sponsors who make this podcast possible. 